Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are a faithful and merciful God. We pray now that as we turn to your word, that you would help me to preach it faithfully. And may you shine the light of the gospel into our hearts, that we might be filled with the joy of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Or do you find it easy to trust in the promises of God? Do you find it easy to trust in the promises of God? Uh, if you're anything like me, you'll remember times in the Christian life with, when you've doubted whether God's promises are real. Because the Christian life is so often one of waiting now for what we do not see yet. God promises a new creation where there'll be no more crying and pain. But right now we live in a world full of brokenness and suffering. God promises that, that Jesus sits on the throne of heaven. But right now we live in a world that rejects Jesus and his gospel. God promises us treasures in heaven. But the world around us tells us to invest in our careers instead. God promises us forgiveness for our sins, but often we feel weighed down by the guilt and shame of our failures. In a world where we must wait for God's promises to materialize, it's all too easy to doubt the promises of God and to live as though they are not true. Well, it's now just two days before Christmas where we will remember how God did keep his promise to send us a saviour. But our focus today is John the Baptist, who was also promised as one who would prepare the way for Jesus. Uh, you might remember his parents, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, uh, they were described as righteous and blameless before God. Uh, but Elizabeth was barren. And while Zechariah was making an offering in the temple as a priest, the angel Gabriel came and appeared to him. And this is what he said, Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And of course, at first, Zechariah didn't believe the promise. After all, he was old and his wife Elizabeth was barren. And so he was disciplined. Uh, the angel declared in Luke chapter 1, verse 20, You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Well, after nine months of muteness, we wait to see how Zechariah will respond to the angel's promise of his son. Has he now learned to trust the word of God? Well, our first point this morning, joy at God's merciful provision. Joy at God's merciful provision. Look at verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. No matter how unlikely that promise of a child must have seemed, God's promise comes to pass. Baron Elizabeth's prayers are answered. Zechariah's son is born. 
just as the angel said. And notice the response. The, the, the community around, they rejoice at God's merciful provision. We're told they heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Notice who God is in these verses. He is the God who sees the suffering of his people, the God who answers the prayers of his people, the God who is faithful to his promises to his people, the God who mercifully provides for his people. Now, of course, we have much more to celebrate than Zechariah and Elizabeth did. For God has kept his promise to us to send a saviour for the world. See, God sees our suffering. God answers our prayers. God is faithful to his promises to us. God mercifully provides for us. And he's, he's done that by sending Jesus to be our king. And God's faithfulness to his promises in the past ought to fill us with the, the same kind of joy that Zachariah and Elizabeth must have felt at the birth of this unlikely child. Or joy in God's merciful provision. But the big issue of this passage is, what will the child be named? We're at point two, faith in God's sure promise. Faith in God's sure promise. Now, we all know that names are very important. It's the first question that someone will ask when the baby is born. What is his name? What is her name? Uh, any parents will know that when you have a baby, everyone wants to contribute uh, to make sure uh, what name the child should have. Uh, they, they, they'll suggest all kinds of names. Because what we name a child... Well, it reflects who we want them to grow up to be. I've got a great name, I thank God for my parents. My name, Timothy, means honouring God. And my middle name, which is Andrew, means strong man. I think I've got some way to, look, uh, to live up to that name. Perhaps I need to hit the gym a bit more. I hope my parents are not disappointed. But for Zachary and Elizabeth, the naming of their child is an issue of faith. Because the angel Gabriel had told Zechariah his name must be John because he would be the one who would prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. Here is a test. Would he now believe God's promise or not? Well, the moment of truth comes in verse 59. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. Now according to Genesis 15, uh, the eighth day was the day when the child would be circumcised. It appears that it's become a Jewish tradition by this point to name the child on the same day. And so here we have all the nosy relatives gathered around with what they think is the perfect name, Zachariah Jr. Hasn't changed much, has it? But notice Elizabeth takes her stand. She says, no, 
he shall be called John. Obviously, John has somehow told her about what has happened in the temple. And Elizabeth has faith in God's promises. But it seems that Zachariah's family is just like many of ours today. They just don't give up. They want their way. Verse 62, they, they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. It's the moment of truth for Zechariah. After nine months of being mute, has he learned to trust God's promises? Well, he's passed what must have been the very first generation of iPads, his writing tablet, and he pens the words, his name is John. Not his name shall be John, his name will be John, but his name is John. For Zechariah knew that God had decided his name, even before he had conceived. Would and so this time, faced with the choice to, to cave into the pressures of his family or to submit to the will of God, this time, Zechariah chooses to trust God. Now, of course, there will be times in our own life when we will be faced with that same choice. Will we fit in to what people around us expect of us? Or will we trust in the will of God? You know, we'll be pressured to, 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 to prioritize our career over serving Jesus. Or, or we'll be pressured to accept society's sexual values over the Bibles. Or we'll be pressured to bend to, to popular opinion instead of to the will of God. And, and the challenge is well, will we trust God's word? Will we do it His way? Or will we give way? under pressure. We need to learn, as Zechariah did, that God always fulfills his word, no matter how much it may seem otherwise. And we must trust God's word and do what he says. By calling his son John, Zechariah demonstrates his faith in God's sure promise. He shows that he now believes what the angel said that he now believes that his child will fulfill the mission God has given him. And we see that in, in verses 67 to 76, as he, as he goes on to praise God for, for what he would do through John and indeed through Jesus, whom he was preparing the way for. It's the same for us. We, we do demonstrate our faith in the promises of God by living in the light of them. But by speaking and, and acting and planning, confident that what God has promised to us, he will bring it to pass, even if we can't see it right now. And John had every reason to believe God's promise this time, for he saw God's word fulfilled. God promised he would have a child, and, and he did. And based on the fulfillment he had of what God had said in the past, he chooses to trust God with the rest of what he has said. The same is true for us. 
at, at Christmas, we now look back to see how God has been so faithful to us. Just as he promised in the Old Testament so long ago, he, he sent the Saviour we need who would rescue us from our sins. God has been so merciful to us, rescuing us from, our, from his judgment. And, and looking back to God's faithfulness to his promises to us in the past, we can trust him with the future. Even though the world pressures us to live otherwise, even though we may not see the fulfillment of God's promises immediately, even though life at the moment may be very difficult in the short term, we look back to God's faithfulness in the past we press on in faithful obedience in the present and we are confident that God will fulfill his purposes in full in the future. Joy, we've seen today, joy at God's merciful provision, faith in God's sure promise and finally we see praise for God's marvellous salvation. Praise for God's marvellous Salvation. Did you notice the very moment Zechariah demonstrates his faith in God's promise, his punishment is over and immediately his speech returns. Look at verse 64. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. Now it's very likely that uh, verse 67 to 80 are the words that he spoke, notice how verse 67 begins, so verse 68 begins with the word blessed. After nine months of muteness, he, he, Zechariah breaks out in praise to God for fulfilling his promise to save his people. It's a remarkable response, isn't it? I mean, how do you respond when you face God's loving discipline? when you face difficult situations that he is using to, to train you and to test you, to, 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 to grow you in holiness, to teach you to trust in his promises. It's so easy, isn't it, to respond with, with frustration and with anger instead of faith and praise. God, why are you doing all this to me? But after nine months of being totally mute, Zechariah emerges with a renewed conviction that God is faithful, that he is worthy to be praised, that what God, when God speaks, he can be trusted, even if it seems the opposite of reality, like an old woman having a baby or a man being raised from the dead. And what about you? Have you, have you learnt to trust God even in the difficult situations of life? Have you come to believe that God is utterly faithful to his word? You know, when it's difficult to find a job or there's trouble in the family or your health is not good, how do you respond? Do you, do you turn to God in anger, frustration? Have you learned, like Zechariah, that God is always worthy of our faith and worthy of our praise? 
Well, how did Zechariah's family respond when Zechariah broke out in this great song of praise after nine months of muteness? Verse 65. Fear came on all their neighbours, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Now, do you notice the all, all, all in those verses? All these things talked about in all the country. All who heard them asked this question. What will this child be? They ponder the identity, the, the place of John in the plan of God. And so too, we are invited to consider the identity of this child. Well, we understand who John the Baptist is by going back to the Old Testament. Because the very last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, speaks of the coming of a messenger who will prepare the way for the coming of God to his people. Malachi 3 verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. The Malachi prophesies that before God comes to his people, he will first send his messenger to prepare the way. And that messenger would be John the Baptist. He would prepare the way for Jesus to come by calling God's people to return back to him in repentance. Malachi chapter 4, we read, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, Elijah was the great prophet of repentance who stood against all the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18. Now, of course, by Malachi's time, Elijah has been long dead over 500 years. Malachi is not saying a literal Elijah is going to come back. But one like him will one who will call God's people back to him in repentance, lest when God comes, he comes in judgment on them. And so again was the mission of John the Baptist. He was this Elijah figure that would come to prepare God's people for the coming of the Lord by turning them back to him in repentance. And so uh, Zechariah proclaims the mission of John the Baptist down in verse 76. He says, You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Zechariah sees with absolute clarity that as much as he loves his son John, as important as he is in the plan of God, it's actually all about Jesus, who is the fulfillment of all God's promises. John's role would be to point 
to him. For ultimately it would be through Jesus that our sins would be forgiven. As Jesus lived the perfect life we haven't, as he died on the cross, the death that we deserve, as he was raised again to conquer sin and death, Jesus came that our sins may be forgiven, that our relationship with God may be restored, that all those things we've done in the past that we are ashamed of, that, that, that anger God, that they may be done away with, dealt with, once and for all. But here, uh, the birth of John the Baptist reminds us that we can only receive that forgiveness from Jesus as we come to him in repentance. Repentance is that U-turn, it's turning away from our old life, uh, our life of self-rule, following our own agenda and our own values and our own priorities, turning aside from our old life, to instead submit under the rule of Jesus Christ. You see, we must turn from our sins. We must turn to Jesus. John the Baptist shows us repentance is absolutely crucial if we are to receive the forgiveness that John, that, uh, forgive us, that Jesus has come to bring. And so Zechariah bursts out in praise as he sees the fulfillment of all God's promises, as he, as he realizes this, this promise of forgiveness and salvation all coming to fruition through the coming of Jesus Christ. And if we too have truly grasped the good news of the gospel, if we have truly come to understand that our every sin can be forgiven by God because we have a faithful God, well then we too will burst forth in praise for the marvellous salvation that God has given to us. Well, at the beginning I asked, how easy do you find it to trust in the promises of God? Uh, when the things of the Bible often seem so at odds uh, to life in this world. Well, we've seen today joy at God's merciful provision, faith in God's sure promise, and praise for God's marvellous salvation. Zechariah had to learn to trust God that he is utterly faithful to his word, that when God speaks, it always happens. We too are to learn that lesson, that even when things don't, uh, don't happen, as, as they, happen as we hope they would be, even though God's promises take some time to be fulfilled, it will happen. And having learnt that crucial lesson, Zechariah began to see in dazzling clarity that God would keep all of his promises. For Jesus was coming to bring forgiveness to his people, to call people from darkness to light.
or will you trust that God is utterly faithful to his promises to you? As we head into a a new year with who knows what challenges to come, will you look back and see God's mercy to you, the forgiveness he's shown you, and so look forward with hope and trust that God will complete all that he has said he will. And as you reflect on God's goodness to you, sending Jesus as your Saviour, will you be like Zechariah, bursting forth with, with praise from the bottom of your heart to the God of such mercy? May we too who have experienced the extravagant grace of God at the cross serve God with joy and burst forth in praise as we experience the joy of salvation. Well, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you that you can be trusted even when your promises do not come to fruition straight away, even when things in this world seem so at odds with what you have said will be the case. We thank you that you were faithful to all your promises in the Old Testament, that John the Baptist came, just as you said, to prepare the way for your son, that Jesus came, just as you promised, to be our Saviour and King. We thank you for the forgiveness that we can have through Jesus. And we pray, Lord, as we we look back to your merciful provision, that you would give us faith in your sure promises. And we would, therefore, uh, praise you for the marvellous salvation that you have given us. Fill us with the joy of salvation this Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.